Well, look around, Harvest. Uh, this spring is really all about new beginnings. And when you look around, you're like, that's new, that's new, that's new, you're new, uh, that's great. There's a lot of things that are new here at Harvest for sure. But with everything being new, it is so crucial in, moment, in moments of change that we always anchor ourselves and that we're reminded of the things that never change. And one of those things for sure is our mission as a church. And uh, to sum up our mission, there's a long version, but here's the short version. We want to glorify God. We want to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Great Commission. It's a great commission because it's Jesus' mission. It's a co-mission because he's given it to us. Great Commission. Uh, what an interesting word, commission. Anyone used the word commission in a sentence in the past, oh, I don't know, five years? Um, have you ever been commissioned? Do you understand what commissioning is? It's a word that sounds very churchy. And so I've tried um, on, a, on an occasion or two to commission my son to do some things. And so he's now commissioned to take out the trash. And um, well, we're working on it. Commission to entrust with an instruction. To put forth a command or a duty, honestly, it's as simply as this. It's to give a mission. It's to entrust somebody with a mission. Can you kind of get your head around the fact that God has given you a mission? You have a mission. Here's the crazy thing. The person beside you has a mission too. All the people in your row have a mission. All the people in this room have one mission. Imagine what you can accomplish if you get serious about your mission. Imagine what you can, get, how, what you can accomplish if your family gets serious about this mission. Imagine what can happen if a whole church gets serious about a mission. Imagine what happens when all the churches recognize that God gave us all the same mission. You know where to find the mission, right? Your Bibles are open to it already, Matthew 28. Let's remind ourselves, and for so many of you, this is a reminder, I know that. But may your heart be challenged again. May it be sobering to realize, may it be energizing to grasp that this, God has given this to me. It's fitting that on the Sunday after Easter, we'd read this passage. It's fitting to remind ourselves that Jesus has gone to the cross. He has been buried. He's risen again. He's appeared to many. Now on the mountain where he will ascend into heaven, he looks at the 11 and the others who were gathered and says, this is what I want you to do. Don't miss this. Last words of our Savior while on earth. Go. Go, therefore. The Greek renders this. As you go, as you go, make disciples of all of the nations. Oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to do that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. If you're looking for the Trinity in the Bible, there, you, there it is. God, three in one. We're going to baptize them. We're going to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Imagine looking Jesus in the eye. Like, look, I hope y'all are paying attention. Because everything I taught you, that's the script. That's the book. That's what you got to now communicate to anyone and everyone who will listen. All right. All of it. How are we doing with that, by the way? Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then he says this. I think this is the best part. 
And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How are we going to get it done? How? How? Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, will be ever present within us to get this mission done. Presence of Jesus felt when? When we're on mission. Mission. Presence of Jesus felt when? When we're glorifying him as we fulfill this mission. What's the mission? Um, let me ask you, just so we're all on the same page, just to make disciples. So let me just ask you, and we'll all say it together. What's the mission? What's the mission? So this half of the room knows. Um, what's the mission? What's the mission? One more time, everybody together. What's the mission? Yeah, it's to make disciples. Disciple, another word that we don't use all that often except in church. What is a disciple? A disciple, uh, by definition, is somebody who follows after the teacher. A disciple is someone who follows after a teacher. So think about this. To be a disciple of Jesus is somebody who says, I'm going to follow after the teachings of Jesus. And so how do we go about making disciples? If that's the definition of a disciple, consider this. He says, as you are going, make disciples. As you are going, declare my primary truth. As, as my disciple, go and declare my primary teaching, my primary message. What is this message? That I came and lived a perfect life, that I came and died a painful death, that I went to the grave, that I was raised again, that I now sit at the right hand of the Father, and there one day I will judge the living and the dead. Go proclaim this message and then call people to repentance. Ask them to bow a knee before me. What's it mean to be a disciple but to surrender oneself to his primary message? What's the message that we're all sinners that needed a savior? God in the flesh to come to die in our place for a holy God has to render sin nullified, justified, and void, but it took a perfect sacrifice to get it done. His name was Jesus. And then when they receive this message, when they receive my primary teaching, when they humble themselves and repent, then give them an opportunity to physically manifest that decision for others to see. Let them declare to the world that I'm with them. Baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if this is the definition of a disciple, doesn't it make sense, the third part of this? Doesn't the third part make absolute sense now? Make disciples means to follow after a teacher. That means once, you've, once they've embraced the primary message, once they've clarified and, and told the world that they have embraced this primary message, now go about teaching them everything I taught you. Teaching in this context says this. Teach them to observe. Teach them to obey. True faith is demonstrated in action. Today we're here to celebrate that. Today we're here to celebrate the work of the Lord, that God has moved again in people's hearts, that they would embrace this message, surrender their souls, and they would want to declare it to you today and to the world today that this is what we believe. And they're looking at you saying, hey, we need you to hold us accountable to know what Jesus taught and live the life he's called us to live. It's your job, church, to make disciples. It's not merely the pastor's job. It's not just a small group leader's job. It's not just mom and dad's job. Although it is all of our jobs, it's our job. It's our mission. It's our um, co-mission that Jesus has given us. You see, through the fulfillment of this mission, which was given 2,000 years ago, God is making all things new.
through an ancient message, a God is giving a miraculous start to those who were lost and giving sinners a brand new life. How's your life? Today, through the beauty of baptism, we get to see the miraculous work of the Lord. And what you're going to see in this tank, what you're going to hear in this tank, what you're going to put your eyes upon is a picture. It's a picture. It's a picture of God's grace. You see, baptism is a picture. Baptism is a picture. Say picture. It's a picture. Baptism is a picture. We live in a world that is full of pictures. Pictures everywhere. There's a picture right here. We have pictures everywhere you look. And it's, it, I'm prob- I wouldn't be surprised if nearly, not every, but nearly every person in this room is probably holding a camera as we speak. You have a camera? Pull out your camera. Let me see your camera. Everybody pull out your camera. Just look. Oh my. That's the biggest camera I've ever seen in the entire. He wins. Anybody got a bigger camera? All right. Inside, hold it. You got it? You got it? You got to just, yeah, hold it, hold it, hold it on your lap there. Um, inside that gadget that you're holding are probably hundreds, if not thousands, of pictures. Inside that gadget, there are buttons that you can push that will give you access to hundreds of thousands, millions of photographs and pictures. We live in a world where if you're going to put your status on Facebook, you better put a picture on it or no one's going to read it. Pictures, pictures, pictures everywhere. Do you know we serve a God who utilizes pictures too? Why do you take pictures, by the way? Because I have a really weak mind. And my memory is about as long as the throw of my voice, and that's it. And we take pictures because we have moments that we want to capture. We take pictures because we want to be reminded of something that already took place. Think about it. We all know here that when we look at the picture, the picture in and of itself isn't the moment. The picture's not the moment. The picture's not the moment when these People are becoming saved. This is a picture of a moment when they gave their life to Jesus and they became saved. You see it? Baptism is a picture. We take pictures of things we want to remember. Anybody post any pictures online recently? Any Instagram folks here? Any Twitter People, crowd like this. This looks like a Facebook crowd to me. Why do you post pictures? Why do you post pictures? Why? Why? Because I think the world wants to know that I had a steak last night. That's why. Because <laughs> that was the best soup I'd ever had. And everybody needs to know about how good the soup was. And I want them all to just celebrate with me that I had the privilege to have the greatest soup and steak in the world. And you're like, keep scrolling. (laughs) If I look at your Facebook feed, if you look at my Facebook feed, you know what's on there? Things I care about. Sometimes they're so trivial that what it really reveals is that I care about me. 
But the things you post, the pictures that you capture, the pictures that you share, you share those pictures because they're important to you. You share those pictures because you want other people to join in on the celebration that you had in that moment. You want people to participate with you. This is baptism. Baptism is a picture to celebrate something that has occurred in the people's lives who are giving their testimony. And they're here saying, check out my frame. Look what God has done in my life. Because baptism is a picture. It's a picture. Have you ever had this picture taken in your life? I had someone come up to me last service and say, I thought I had that picture taken in my life, but now I realize I haven't, and today, I, today God developed that for me. It's not lost on me in a room this size that there are probably many others who would have a similar story. But when you grow up in Lancaster County, which is the northern Bible Belt, it just seems like everyone knows Jesus, right? Baptism is a picture to remind us of something great. Baptism is a picture to help us celebrate. And they say that a picture is worth a thousand words. Today I'm going to use three. Three words to describe baptism. They're very simple. And here's the first one. Baptism is a picture of something true. Baptism is a picture of something true. Today, you're going to see a picture of a disciple demonstrating that they have truly believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody being baptized today has repented of their sins in the past. Everyone who gets into this tank today has going to already have given their life to Jesus. They're already having confessed that only Jesus and Jesus alone can save them. They just now want the world to know. You see, this is a picture of true belief. In another passage where Jesus uh, is giving the Great Commission, uh, Mark, we're going to study this passage together in some months ahead, but he captures this moment from the perspective of Peter, and this is what he says Jesus said. He adds to it in the sense of another perspective Mark 16, 16, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I love that. Who are we going to tell? The whole creation, anything that moves. Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever believes, believes, believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will not be condemned. You notice the second half of the verse? It's the person who doesn't believe who is not saved. Belief, 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 then baptism. Baptism does not save you. Belief always precedes baptism. But to believe, if the word believe is so important, here's what you got to recognize. Belief requires everything you've got. And the picture is, when the person gets actually in the water, all of them is going to be submerged. I'm giving all of myself to Jesus. To believe, to believe. Pisteo in the Greek, it speaks of trusting in, relying on, on having confidence and it means knowing trusting and committing as they get in here they want to proclaim that i know in my mind i believe in my mind and i'm now trusting in my heart 
And even as I am going to fall back within these waters, I want it to be a picture that I'm entrusting my actions and my will and my life to the Father. You see it? Baptism is a picture. It's a picture of true belief. I know that Jesus saved me. I'm trusting that Jesus saved me. And I want the world to see that my life is now for him. Have you believed at that level? Has Jesus Christ come off the flannel graph for you? When I say baptism is a picture, it's really important to realize that I mean like a living picture. You see, baptism is a picture of something true. It's something true. It's, It's a picture of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ at work. But here's the second thing. It's a picture of something new. It's a picture of something new. I pull my camera out when I see something new. I think this is the greatest scenery I've ever seen. I got to snap it. I got to post it. I got to let people see because this is new. Romans 6, 3 and 4 says this. Do you not know? Do you not know? I love it when Paul does that. Don't you know? That all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, don't you know? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, watch, watch, now because of this, we too are able to walk in the newness of life. Here's the picture. Here's the picture. As they go down into the water... It's a picture that, spiritually speaking, they have been buried with Christ. Their sins were nailed on the cross with him. He paid the penalty. That sin now is buried in the grave. The sins that have beset us and separated us from God have now been taken care of. Then as they raise up out of the water, what does it say? Just as Jesus Christ was risen to new life, so too have you received new life in him. New life. Out of the water, you've been forgiven. Out of the water, you've been cleansed. Out of the water, you're proclaiming that you receive salvation. Up out of the water, you're saying, eternity with God is mine. And I want the world to know. And I want the world to know. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old has passed away and the new has come. This, my friends, this is the great exchange. Our messed up life for his miraculous sanctification. Our sinfulness for his glorious salvation. This is the great exchange. And listen to me, God's exchange plan is eternal. You only got to exchange yourself one time. One time. One time you confess your sins. One time you bow your knee and eternal security is yours. You're like, Pastor, do I not have to confess my sins again? Uh, I confess my sins like daily, hourly, Sometimes I got to confess my sins while I'm preaching. I'm not getting saved now every time I do that. But don't be fooled 
we need to be in right relationship with the Lord all the time, but now I have the Holy Spirit to convict me to repent. Now I want to just tell the Lord how I want to live for him and how I want to serve him. You exchanged one time, one time, one time, one time, the great exchange. Um, I wear a new gadget on my wrist now, but I used to wear a Fitbit. You got any Fitbit people in the room? This is not a commercial for a Fitbit. Oh, yeah, we got people holding up their wrists like they're proud of it. That's awesome. So um, it's not a commercial. I'm not endorsing, nor am I speaking against. It's not about a lifestyle thing. I just happened to wear a Fitbit for, for a few years, okay? And when I would wear my Fitbit, like I wore my Fitbit. It went everywhere I went. It did everything I did. And I exercised the ever-living life out of my Fitbit, right? You can tell. I did. Okay, so actually I banged it against walls, doors, and desks, and it broke. And Fitbit has like the greatest customer service on the planet, just so you know. I call them up. I'm like, hey, my Fitbit broke. Like, how long have you had it? I don't know. From you so. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll be glad to replace that for you. I'm like, really? I beat the snot out of this thing. Like, oh, yeah, we'll send you a new one. I get the new one in the mail. What do you want me to do with the old one? I'll keep it. Really? It kind of works. I just want to be honest with you. Like, oh, no, you can keep it. I got two Fitbits. I'm going to wear this one until it dies. I got a new one in the drawer. This is the greatest day. Why well, break them both? Again, I call it Fitbit a second time. I'm like, ah, oh, I broke my Fitbit again. They're like, well, the original warranty on your first Fitbit is now done. And I don't know. Uh, but you know what? You're a loyal customer. We love you. Have another Fitbit. I'm like, Fitbit's for everyone. It's great. So they sent me a Fitbit. I got a collection now of dead Fitbits. It's fantastic. And so I do this one. It's got the whole heart rate monitor on it. This is the greatest. I'm wearing this thing out. Pretty soon, this one breaks too. That's what I said. But this time, I was way too embarrassed to call Fitbit. You ever been there? Like, I'm sick of breaking these things. I'm going to wear that line out. I got to call you again. I'm telling you, this is what it's like. This is the great exchange. Some of you are sitting in this room like, I broke it again. I sinned again. I came up against the Lord again. Here I am, not living the way. I have doubts in my head. I can feel my heart beginning to wonder. And look at my life. It is a train wreck. You get exchanged one time. And after that great exchange, then comes the power of the Holy Spirit where you lay yourself down over and over and over again. I get that, but every time you get to lay yourself down, you're reminded of this, not of a new exchange, but of that great exchange you had, the moment that God snapped the picture of your salvation. It's a picture of something true. It's a picture of something new. But it's also a picture for you. It's for you. And by you, I mean you. You, I mean you, I mean us. It's not merely a picture only for the candidate. Hear this. Baptism as a picture is not a selfie. It's not a, hey, look at me. Look at, look at, look at me. It's always, baptism has always been meant to be a family portrait. You see, if you look closely, at this picture today, here's what you're going to see. Jesus saving sinners. If you look closely at the portrait, what you're going to see, sinners who are confessing and being saved by Jesus. If you look closely into this picture, what you're going to see is a crowd full of people, a room full of people, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who are participating in this baptism for what is your role today but to receive these folks 
to encourage these folks, to love on these folks, to invest in them. We are all called to make disciples. We're all called to invest. We're all called to love and envelop those. And if you look even closer, I think what I hope that you'll see are those who are seeking. There are those who are longing to have such a picture in their own life. And today, I want to say, come on in the frame. Come on in the frame. Come on in the picture. There's room in the frame. There's room in the frame for you. Jesus died so that you could be in the frame. He died so that you could be in the picture. He died so that you could have this picture in your life too. Do you see it? It's a picture of something true. It's a picture of something new. It's a picture for you. Let me say this. I think it's important to note. On a day of celebration like this, a word of caution and maybe warning Not everybody's happy with life change. Not everybody's going to clap their hands and not everyone's going to sing hallelujah in moments like this. 1 Peter 4 says this, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This isn't strange at all. I'm telling you, it's coming. Rather, Rather, don't be surprised. I'm telling you what to do. Rejoice. So far as you are sharing in Christ's sufferings, that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Listen, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. If you are made fun of for the name of Christ, you are blessed. If you are passed over in the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Here's the deal, Christian. You smell. You smell. Paul in another passage tells us to those whom who the Lord is drawing to himself, you're a fragrance of life. But to those who want nothing to do with the Lord, you smell of death. You know what I do with dirty trash? I want it out of my house quick. That's why I commissioned my son <laughs> to take it out. Why, church, do we gather to see the picture, to smell the fragrance. To look within the frame and be reminded and believe that Jesus does what he says he does. And to believe with hope that he will do what he says he will do. And wherever you are and whatever you brought with you into this room, I hope and I pray with the stories that you hear today that they would convict you in your soul that they would prompt you in your spirit to believe. Sometimes when the pastor goes on, it's the pastor going on. But today as you hear from people just like us, who are going on living life just like you, going on living life just like me, how they're going to tell of how it changed. And God brought them into the frame. And he forgave them of their sins. And he drew them to himself. And he wrapped his arms around them. And he forgave their sins. Has this picture 
been seen in your life? How clear is your frame? Has the Lord, has the Lord, has the Lord moved in you to this place? How is this picture taken? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Listen, with the heart one believes and is justified, but with the mouth one confesses that he is saved. Your ears need to hear what your heart believes. Your ears need to hear what your heart believes. Your ears need to hear what your heart believes. And that's why in these moments you must confess to the Lord what it is you believe. God, in my mind I know, in my heart I trust. And today I bow. Lord, capture this picture and remind me and remind me and remind me and so God we pray that you would do just that Father that you would work in the hearts in the minds and in the wills of us all may this picture do as you've sought for it to accomplish and that is Lord that we would see a work that's already been done and celebrate with those who are declaring. God, would we then as a church embrace there are no bystanders in baptism that we all participate in this. And then God, would you draw people to yourself that they may have a similar story. May today be the day that many would trust and believe. We pray that they would, God, for you never fail. You never give up. You never run out on us, God. It's the great exchange. Once for all, we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.